Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. This edition of the Dose Leprechauns, as you can see, I'm rolling solo. Leprechaun Nate is feeling a little bit under the weather, so sorry you got to put up with me. I'm sure ratings are going to drop exponentially here, but uh, we'll give it our best shot. Uh, sorry for coming on late. Had a little bit of technical difficulties, but my ex- producer extraordinaire, uh, Matt Corn McGinnis, figured it all out, so we're all locked in and ready to go and bring on Ned Bolkar. Uh, happy holidays. As you can see, we've spared no expense with the uh, icicle-themed uh, lights here around our new podcast setup. So, But hey, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and waste no time and get to Ned Bolkar here. Bring him on. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, or maybe you are not even born yet, uh, Ned Bolker was one of the heroes of the uh, 1988 national championship team. Uh, he was carried off the field um, after the win against West Virginia. Uh, so, uh, really excited to have him on. He's one of my heroes on that team, just like a lot of those guys. So, without further ado, we're going to bring on Ned Bolker. Hey, Jason, Ned, can you hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? I apologize here. I'm sitting close to my computer. For some reason, it's trying to force me off my computer, but I can hear you perfectly. Okay, good deal. So, uh, everybody, we have Ned Bolkar from the 1988 National Championship team, former Notre Dame linebacker, two-time captain, one of the one of the few of the, in 100 plus years of Notre Dame football to be a two-time, uh, two-year in a row captain. How are you doing this morning, Ned? Good, good. It's 11:15 uh, here on the East Coast, and I know you guys are up a little bit earlier there in California, but I'm doing wonderful. My children are healthy and. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, uh, a beautiful Christmas season. Wonderful. Can't ask for much more than kids' health and uh, feeling good about life, man. That's awesome. So wanted to bring you on, and one of the first questions I wanted to ask, and I've been saying this for the last probably four or five weeks, uh, or actually the last four or five weeks of the season, this team, the 2018 Notre Dame Fighting Irish football team, feels really similar, in my opinion, to the 1988 team that you were a huge part of and that, na- that last national championship. Do you see a lot of similarities between the two teams? Uh, I, I do, I do. I think uh, I made the comment earlier in the year uh, on another broadcast before the, before the Wake Forest game. I said, you know, the key is, uh, you know, our teams back in 89 uh, held teams to less than 17 points a game. I think it was like 14, actually. And our offense was scoring around an average of 33 points a game. And our special teams didn't give up many big plays. So if you look at 
Notre Dame, especially from the Wake Forest game on this year, those numbers look pretty much close to what I was speaking about uh, back at Wake Forest. So to be a, a, a good competitive team and, and make it this far in the season, uh, you need great special teams. You need an offense that keeps your defense off the field and can put some points on the board, which Notre Dame's offense has been doing, especially since Ian Book became the full-time quarter, uh, quarterback and you get Dexter Williams back in the lineup. But also the defense has uh, played well throughout the season. Probably giving up, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, uh, somewhere around 17 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, from that standpoint, yes, I also see the confidence that they have, that they, they can win every game. Uh, as a fan, uh, I, I really wasn't uh, sitting at home watching on TV, concerned about any game, uh, maybe Pittsburgh a little bit, but but definitely not USC, even though it was close as it was. I felt like the team had the game in control. Uh, the coaching staff seemed confident just watching the demeanor, demeanor on the sideline. So I think that's very similar to our 88 team and 89 team, actually. Uh, we won you know, 24 games in those two years, uh, and we just believe we should win every game and be in every game uh, and, and never lack confidence in, in one aspect of our team, whether it's special teams, offense, or defense. So I do see that similarity and also the bond among the players because that's such an important factor is how close the team is. Do they believe in each other? Do they love each other? And do they trust each other that they're going to show up every day at practice, every day uh, you know, meetings, and then obviously on game day? And it seems like so far the Fighting Irish have. Uh, that's a great point, and I think you you mentioned the bond. Um, you know, I've had I've had the opportunity to go to three games this year, and uh, you can just tell that this team is really locked in together. They're they're a family, and I know Lou, Coach Holtz was huge on that. I know the team, the '88 team, was huge on that. So I'm glad you brought that part up. It, it seems like it really is a family unit. And uh, talking to some of the parents, you can just tell that there's this really close bond that this team is different. You know what I mean? It's just it just feels a lot different than the 2012 team, which kind of brings me to my next point. You know. The talking heads on ESPN, the, you know, there's there's the Notre Dame hate, so to speak, things like that. What's your take on kind of the uh, the almost the impression amongst a lot of the talking heads that uh, Notre Dame has no business being in the in the playoffs, and that Clemson is pretty much going to wipe the floor with us? Well, one thing I always loved about uh, being a part of Notre Dame and playing for Notre Dame and now being an alumni of Notre Dame, and, <clears throat> and uh, one of the players, which I think said it recently. Uh, for the for Notre Dame said, you know, we're hated by many, loved by many. I love that. It's black or white. Very seldom will you say Notre Dame to somebody, they'll say, well, I don't care, or I don't have an opinion. They either say, I love them, or I hate them. And I love that. I want to be somebody's enemy, or else I want to be, you know, they're loved by them. And that's true of Notre Dame. It just has that effect uh, on fans, and I, I do understand the reason why. As far as Notre Dame not being uh, uh, should it be in the, in the, in the uh, college football playoffs? Uh, you know that that's crazy because they've done everything they had to do. They traveled the country. They played multiple conference uh, teams, and they won. And they they won fairly decisively in, in most of the games. And that's all they're asked to do. Uh, when you look at the teams that made it, obviously Alabama is the best team in the country for the last two years. Clemson deserves to be there. Notre Dame deserves to be there. And yes, Oklahoma beat the team they lost to. Ohio State, <clears throat> hey, they have a heck of a team, but when you get beat by Purdue by 24, that is 
part of the schedule. I don't care if Michigan or Purdue's at the beginning of the season, your loss, or at the end of the season, a victory. It, it's a total package you're looking at, and that's what the committee had to do. And, uh, you know, I can see Georgia being one of the best teams in the country, as Nick Saban said. But at the end of the day, you have a two-team, two game, two losses, and one was to Alabama, yes, but one was decisively to LSU, who finished maybe in the top ten in the country, but that's still two losses. So, yeah. you know, they can say all they want. It's Notre Dame's job to go into the Cotton Bowl and play well and and perform well. And they win, they, they quiet the critics. If they lose, the critics will be loud. But I always say, you control your own destiny by what you do on the field. So you got to put out the talking heads. The players shouldn't be worried about that. The coaches aren't worried about that. As fans, we talk. Hey, we need something to talk about for the next four weeks. Okay. <laughs> Let them focus on playing the best game they can. Clemson's a heck of a football team. They've been here multiple times the last, uh, you know, couple of years. Dabo Sweeney has a, a well-oiled machine down there. They got lots of talent. So does Notre Dame. You know, they're gonna put it on the field. There's gotta be a winner. There's gotta be a loser. But by no way is Notre Dame not deserving to be in the college football playoffs. If that was the case, then you might as well forget about you know, the playoff system. You know, that, great points, Ned. Thank you for, for all that. And, and you brought up the, uh, the um, controlling your own destiny. And I want, to talk, I want to go back to that a little bit. Last night was the, uh, the Echoes Awards show, and you had a, a Brandon Wimbush winning the Next Man In Award. And I know you can speak a little bit to that with what happened in 88 and everything with Stone, you and Stoney. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that went down in terms of uh, your linebacker position and how the, the battle went down between you and, and the guy well, backing you? I, I, I actually don't want to talk too much about 88. Uh, I, listen, we had, we had many good players on the team. We had many good linebackers. Uh, you know, Mike Stonebreaker, myself, Wes Pritchett, Frank Stan, uh Scott Kolkowski, Daryl Gordon. I can go down the list. Uh, do I ever feel like I was beaten out for position? Never. I think I performed as well as anybody in the country the year before as a Buckus. So going into the season as a Buckus Award candidate, as All-American the year before, All-American the year after. So I don't want to get into the, the reasons and whys of, of what happens. Uh, what I do remember is that we had a very close team, and uh, I was one of the captains of the team that year. And, you know, instead of being first in team in tackles, I ended up fifth in team in tackles. But my job was to be a leader. I think I did that job very well. And people respect me to stay the way I carry myself as a captain that doesn't always play as much as he did the year before or the year after. But that didn't matter. You know, it was all about winning. And you look back 30 years later, we had a great group of guys. Everybody played their role, whether they're uh, Rocket Ishmael, Tony Rice, uh, you know, Ned Balkar. You, know, you go down the list of everybody that played a lot or a little, um, we did our role and we were close. And, and we loved Notre Dame. And we came to Notre Dame to, to be a part of the Notre Dame family. And, uh, and winning there will, will be with us the rest of our lives. I'm very proud of uh, the five years I spent in Notre Dame, uh, taking it from a, a, a tough 1985 to ending with 24-1 our last two years, uh, playing the toughest schedule in the country in 88 and 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we did some great stuff. I was happy to be part of it. And I always feel honored and humbled that, you know, I was selected by my teammates to be one of their leaders. And we had many leaders on the team. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about, you know, anything that goes on. That's, you know, choices are made, decisions are made. It's how you react to them. And, uh, you know, I live my life that, you know, I've learned my lessons 
from the ups and downs of uh, experience in life. And just like all these young players should, whether you're in high school or college or professional, uh, the game you play only lasts so long. It's the lessons of life that, that allow you to be a winner in life. And uh, that's one thing I love about Notre Dame. I think if you look at the student athletes that come out of Notre Dame, uh, just like the alumni of Notre Dame, the students, there are many, many, many successful people in life. And that's one reason I am sure other players chose to be a part of the Notre Dame family. Because as they say, it sounds cliche, it's not a four-year deal, it's a 40-year deal. And when I get together with my teammates at the 30-year reunion, I look around, I see the success they had in life as, as fathers, as businessmen, teachers, whatever it may be. And uh, really, that's the education that, that I took from it, and, and I think most Notre Dame athletes do. You know, you mentioned uh, the 88 team reunion. You talked about some of the guys, you know, fathers, businessmen, things like that. Don't forget that 88 team also yielded a uh, newly crowned senator, Patrick Fallon. So uh, definitely Notre Dame puts out some high-quality individuals, no doubt. Um, we do. We do. And, and, and there's a lot of great universities and colleges in the country that do the same thing with their athletes. But, you know, I'm proud every year when they come out with the rankings and you look across all the all the sports, Notre Dame's up there in every single sport with Duke and Stanford and, and so many other good schools out there. Uh, I think in general, uh, our student athletes uh, have represented themselves very well for forever. And, uh, you know, our, our, our student body, our alumni should be very proud of that because, uh, you know, there's not a separation between the athletes and the students at Notre Dame. And that's one reason I chose to go there. Ned, do you have a, a memory from your time at Notre Dame, whether it be on the field or off the field, that really stands out to you as like, man, I'll never forget when that particular moment happens? Uh, there, there's so many. I mean, there's so many from, you know, just uh, <laughs> great times at practice, you know, amongst the players, uh, whether it's a comment from the coaches or, or a comment of the players. But, you know, and then also with the, the fans. And, and then... You know, after games with my family and uh, other players' families and, and so many friends of the nerding alumni, Subway, Subway alumni, we met for all these years, you know, five years there as, as extended family. So I go back to South Bend, I still see people that I remember not only as alumni, but Subway alumni who show up the game. So those are special memories. There's so many. But I, I got to tell you, one that stands out is I think it was my junior year my junior year we're playing Michigan at Michigan and uh, at the beginning of the game obviously they're going go blue go blue <laughs> and by the end of the game I remember being in defensive huddle saying listen it was go Irish we're wow. in Michigan Stadium with 100,000 fans at the end of the game you're hearing go Irish which I think is amazing yeah that's awesome it kind of kind of reminiscent of I was at the uh, SC game this year and and you know it was in LA obviously SC wasn't very good so I kind of thought there would be a lot of Notre Dame fans there but there was still probably about half and half literally uh, going nuts for the Irish at the end that's that's an amazing story I wish I could have could have heard that uh, that's pretty that crazy. That was a great experience also. There's so many, but that was one of them also. We we had a, a comment from um, somebody asking Brian Ginzer wants to know what was your favorite place on campus. Favorite place on campus. Wow. Favorite place on campus. Ooh. Mm. Uh, that's a darn big 
question. Favorite place on campus? You know what? Wherever, wherever I was at the moment, I, I, I honestly, that's a good answer because I think I've always lived my life where I am at the moment is the best place to be. And at 52 years old almost, I kind of, that's done well for me that I don't wish to be someplace else. I don't want to be someplace else. Wherever I may be at that moment in time is, is where it's supposed to be and, and what I'm supposed to enjoy. I enjoyed the huddle. I enjoyed eating. I enjoyed most of the classrooms, walking through the library. <laughs> I enjoyed <laughs> practice. I enjoyed my friends, you know, camaraderie in the, in the dormitories, standing in front of the Golden Dome, walking down to the, the, the grotto. I mean, all those things I did enjoy. Feeding the ducks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I mean, I really did. I, 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 and when I go back to Notre Dame, I walk across campus on Friday. I try to see the band playing. I walk past the architecture building. I walk past Marcy Hall. No uh, mannerites to all the men, Marcy men, men out there. Um, you know, I, I see a little bit of everything as the campus continues to expand because it all brings back memories. Sure. For the most part, all good memories. So being a, a New Jersey guy, uh, what made you choose Notre Dame besides the obvious mystique, like you mentioned? What was your, what was kind of the selling point, the final selling point for you? Uh, you know, when I grew up, um, I had a couple family members, I'll say cousins, uncles, a few that would go out to South Bend with the uh, Phillipsburg, New Jersey uh, Fire Company or Jersey Hose Fire Company or Social Club, and they'd take bus rides out. When my uncle Jim would come back and talk about the pep rally at Stepin Hall and and you know just just the excitement of the weekend, um, that kind of got my attention. Then when I was you know eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, well, I just found myself I watched Notre Dame football or basketball. Okay. Really, that's all it was at the time. Right. Men football and basketball. I got more excited when they won, and I got actually upset. You know, mostly upset when they lost. And I would watch Penn State also. I watched the George Paterno show on Sunday, the replay of the Penn State game. And, yeah, I love watching Matt Suey and, and Chuck Fusina and Matt Millen. All these guys play Bruce Clark. But it didn't affect me the same way. So when it came, my choice to go to school, as I do went any place in the country, which I was privileged, uh, and Notre Dame was not the best uh, visit. Notre Dame was not playing very good football. Uh, but deep in my heart, I said, at 17 years old, I said, if you're going to win and be a part of some place for the rest of your life, where's the best place to compete and go to school and, and, and meet that challenge? And what does your heart say? And it was Notre Dame. And that's why I chose Notre Dame over many other schools. And looking back 30 years later, we're fortunate enough to not only be part of a great school and alumni base, but the fact that we were able to win a lot of games and win a national championship, finish number two in the country, you know what, that's something that's unique. And, and I'm proud to be a Notre Dame alum and be, uh, you know, mention the same breath as so many great athletes and great students that have come out of that school. And uh, in my choice at 17 years old, now 52, was the right choice. Awesome. Awesome answer. Uh, okay, I'm sure you're asking this all the time. But uh, do you have a favorite moment uh, from Lou, either on the field or off? Uh, <laughs> there's so many. I mean, there's really so many. I, 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 you know, 
I, I think about the first day he walked into the meeting, the very first day. And I won't repeat the, my friend's name because <laughs> he always says you always bring my name up. But he walked in, and a lot of the players were slouching because that's what they, I guess, they got used to doing in meetings. And Luke kicked one of our uh, senior players' foot. I was up on the uh, little dais in the meeting room. It says, son, how long have you been playing football? And, and uh, the player said, yeah, 13 years. He said, your back end's not against the chair in three seconds. You'll never play again. <laughs> One, two, and 100-plus guys sat up. And for the next four years, I don't ever know of another player that ever slouched in a meeting. Wow. That's one. I love during double sessions. It's, you know, it's a lot, a lot different back then than it is nowadays. You know, we wore pads almost every day, twice a day for a couple of weeks. And, you know, a hot day and you're in practice. And Lou comes out and says, guys, I called Bo Schembechler up. And he said, I, I asked him if he'd give his guys a day off because I want to give my guys a day off because it's so hot and you're so tired. And uh, he said, Lou, I love to, but we're getting ready to play you guys on, you know, September 2nd, and I just can't do it. So they say, what do you think, guys? Michigan's not taking off today. Should we take off today? And the obvious answer is no. <laughs> or, or he would walk out and say, hey, guys, only half day today. You think that's only one practice in, you know, 8 to 8, 8 in the morning to 8 at night. So, so Lou had a way of, uh, you know, keeping the, the atmosphere light, light and, uh, you know, I, I, actually, here's the, here's probably one of the greatest things. Everybody knows about, you know, okay, the, the, the fight with Miami and the tunnel and a few other teams which we never started, but we always tried to finish. And Lou did make the comment in the locker room, leave Jimmy Johnson's, you know, behind for me. <laughs> Pretty much so. But here's, here's one of the greatest moments. The next year, we're playing, oh, no, the next year we lose to Miami, last game of the season. And they did the same thing to us on the field, on the field, and we, we didn't retaliate. And they had an excellent team, and they beat us down there, you know, whatever score was, 27-10 or whatever. And uh, they had a great team, and so did we, but, you know, they, they, had us, they got us that day. So we're playing number one Colorado in the Orange Bowl a month later. We're meeting the night before the game, and they, he announces, Coach Holst announces the team that Barry Alvarez, Coach Alvarez is taking the head coaching job at Wisconsin. Obviously, everybody's happy for him, or at least the upperclassmen were happy for him, maybe not the underclassmen. And then Lou said, well, I came here four years ago. I promised you, young men, that we wouldn't back down from anybody, that we we, we, you know, we were fighting, you know, on the, we play our butts off on the field, you know, we're never going to let anybody intimidate us. And I said, I apologize that you know, earlier in the season, due to outside pressure, whatever it may be, you know, I put the handcuffs on you. He said, so as of right, of right now, if Colorado wants to fight us in the parking lot, in, a, in the you know, walkway or on the field, we're going to fight them right back. And the whole room, just the way he said, the whole room erupted. It was like the Stanley Cup at the spectrum, the Flyers versus the Rangers. Everybody jumped out of their seats and chill went through my body. I'm sure everybody felt that way. And if you watch the replay the next night, Anthony Johnson, Tony Rice, and myself walk out for the um, coin toss, and the whole Colorado team came running across the field because they saw what Miami did to us, backed us up on our sideline. I turned around, and here came the whole Notre Dame team, and we met at midfield. A couple flags flew, you know, a few pushes, whatever, kicks. But guess what? We won that game that day, but that was a great moment. That freed us up to say, you know, 
know, we're not to be backed down by anything. And that has a psychological advantage, especially when you got young guys playing. Sure. And the intimidation begins, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> before that kickoff. And uh, that was one of the greatest moments, uh, emotionally. I remember that in that meeting room that night before the Orange Bowl. That's awesome. Uh, Ned, can you talk a little bit about the, the time that you were taken off the field, you know, carried off the field on your teammates' shoulders? Well, it, it's funny, and, and I got a good friend who likes to tell that story, and I say, I, I wasn't the only one carried off. All the seniors are carried off. Mm-hmm. So let me tell it my way. I said, you can do whatever you want to. That's fine. So what I love about this story is we're playing West Virginia in the national championship game, and right before we go out on the field before the game, Coach Holt said, seniors, whether you're a fourth-year senior, fifth-year senior, whatever, raise your hands. So we all raise our hands. Then he would say, you know, Joe Farrell and Troy Ridgely, when we win the game, you're going to carry Ned Volkar off the field. You know, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, when we win, you're going to carry Wes Pritchett off the field. Frank, they kept going down the list of all seniors. So Lou planned out the victory celebration before the game started. Wow. Which I love, uh, we love the confidence. So when the game ends, if you actually saw the field, all the seniors, including Lou, are being carried off the field, which was pre-planned. <laughs> all right, I did. That's great. Yeah, I, I don't remember that at all, actually. I just remember the picture of you being carried off. That's crazy. Okay. You see, you see that picture, but there's a lot of there's a lot of pictures out there. And uh, now, what I love is his confidence that we're going to win the game and playing the celebration uh, before the game begins. Okay. Sounds about right. (laughs) Um, All right, let's talk a little bit about what you've been doing post-Notre Dame career. I know you got drafted by Seattle. Um, Did you, you know, what was your NFL experience like? I know it was unfortunately cut short Uh, due to injury, but. I love, I love, I love, uh, playing Seattle. I love playing Miami. Uh, Great places to live. Yeah, the fans in Seattle were incredible. I was there for about nine months. I tore my ACL, chipped my bone, and tore some cartilage in the, uh, I think it was the sixth or seventh game of the year up in New England. Um, You know, you're 22, 23 years old, and being carted off the field with your first major injury, and the fans are spitting on you and and calling you all kinds of names and throwing beer at at you. It's not really a a very (laughs) good feeling, (laughs) especially then you find out that you're your career is over, not your career, but your season's over, and, you know, you tore your knee up, and, and that was emotionally tough, and, you know, led for, led to, uh, you know, many, many months of physical rehab, so that cut short my career in Seattle, but I, because of that, I was a plan B free agent, uh, thinking that most teams won't pick me up, but I played very well in the uh, beginning of the season for Seattle, my special teams and short yardage, and Actually, I had interception the first game of the season um, against the Chicago Bears. Uh, our starting linebacker, Darren Como, got hurt, dislocated his finger. They put me in, and Jim Harbaugh threw a, a short pass to the tight end that bounced off his hand. And I intercepted the pass, and uh, for about uh, two hours that day, myself and uh, I think Darren Woodson and another player from uh, Chiefs led the NFL interception for about four hours then. Uh, somebody had another interception, so uh, he ended up with two on the day, the first day of the season. So anyway, so I, I was doing very well in Seattle. They didn't protect me, uh, so I went to Miami. Uh, was one of amongst the few teams uh, that offered me uh, more money, better opportunity, more money, I'll say, to go down Miami. Uh, I love Seattle, but being on the East Coast, playing on the grass, I thought it was good for my knee. 
Uh, my family's on the East Coast. So I spent three years down there and, um, you know, uh, played uh, a lot my second year, special teams. Uh, and, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when I was in Seattle, even in Miami, I said, you know what? If I could stay healthy, I could play 10 years in a slick. Well, the key is staying healthy. And I tore my hip flexor my last season during training camp. I got cut, had to go through arbitration. Uh, I basically was done playing with a tore hip flexor in 19, I think it was 93. Uh, got my four years in the NFL. Uh, someday I'll receive a small pension. That's great. <laughs> but, um, you know, your body says enough. Five years of Notre Dame football. Uh, four years of high school playing multiple games on many levels and then not to stay healthy in the NFL I think uh, you know I remember some gentlemen at the, my, at the church when I came home some older guys in Phillipsburg New Jersey a place I love saying they feel bad for me I said why do you feel bad for me they said well your career, your career was cut short I said listen I got the experience and do things that 99% of men in this country would give their left leg to do I said, don't feel sorry for me. I mean, this is just a moment in time. And even though I did believe it, it was still a tough transition. Credibility of and pride into what they do. And a lot of people view your worth by what you do on the field, uh, court, or wherever, baseball diamond, than really the person you are. And that's okay, because most of those people, if they really know you, uh, they don't feel that way. And the other ones that don't know you, it doesn't matter. They're not really, you know, they shouldn't affect your life. So fortunately, I moved on and um, found a job working in New York City as a Wall Street broker for um, an institutional broker for uh, 19 years, and then uh, retired from that business and uh, got married. I have two young children, and uh, we're fortunate to be franchisees of a great franchise called Orange Theory Fitness. And uh, we have great personnel, uh, regional managers. We own a number of studios and uh, we make people healthy and uh, so I was able to transition from professional sports to a Wall Street career into being I guess an entrepreneur franchisee and uh, healthy children healthy six and five years old boy and girl and uh, my mom at 89 still alive still cheers for Notre Dame nice and uh, so we're doing well still live in New Jersey Um, love New Jersey most of it don't love the politics of it but but uh but i love or, or the taxes but i love uh you know being close to new york city close to pennsylvania the rivers the mountains you know you name it we're close and uh anyway so life's been good and I, I always look back uh through the process of you know leaving the nfl or succeeding try succeeding the nfl leaving the nfl moving on to another career I tried to look back on the disciplines and the things I learned from playing sports. That's awesome. And I, I, I've been reading a lot of articles, you know, before having you on. I know you've done a lot of motivational speaking to, to schools and kids and things like that. So you're clearly taking what you learned and what you experienced in Notre Dame and putting that onto the next generation. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I always try to tell young people, young student athletes, young people, you know, uh, life isn't fair. Life is what it is. I love what Coach Holt says. He says, yeah, I'm the, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth, uh, basically because I was born in this country. Right. And we live in the greatest country in the world, and, and hopefully we can keep it that way. And uh, opportunity is what you make of it, and nobody's got a perfect uh, life. 
or upbringing, and you 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 know you have a lot of options and support systems around us. And the idea is to, to make the right decisions, especially when you're old enough to realize what's right and what's wrong, and then it comes down to personal decisions. And then work hard, and don't judge yourself by somebody else. You know, set standards for yourself and work hard. And you know, and so far so good. And I. I, I love my life. I love my family. I great. I have a lot of gratitude for my family, my friends, and um, and what God has given me. I really have. I really do. I don't think we can end much better than that. Last thing, real quick here, Ned, is where can people kind of stay in touch with you and see what you're up to, and maybe learn more about the Orange Theory. Well, Orange Theory is a national a national franchise. Uh, you can go online for Orange Theory. You can go any, any state in the country. Uh, 16 different countries in, in the in the world exist. Um, we have ours in New Jersey and New Providence, Middletown, and Shrewsbury, New Jersey, and soon coming to Marstown, New Jersey. Uh, they can keep in touch with me at nedbolcar at yahoo.com. Um, you know, I'm always happy to respond back to a Notre Dame fan. Uh, we have a lot of them out there, and uh, I love what Notre Dame is doing this year. There's the football team, the basketball teams, you know, the defensing team, uh, the school itself. And, uh, yeah, I, I tell people I cheer for two teams in my life. One's Phil's, the Phillipsburg State Liners, all sports, and Notre Dame. Besides <laughs> that, I really don't care who else wins or loses. That's Thank awesome. You. I love it. All right, Ned. Well, hey, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you're a busy man, and God bless you and your family, and hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Jason, thanks for having me on. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Go Irish. All right, buddy. Go Irish. Take care. Freaking Ned Bolkar. How awesome was that, man? He was just spitting the truth out there. That was great. I want to get back to some of the comments here, and then we're going to bring on one of our analysts, uh, Patrick McCormick, to talk just a little bit. We're going to give you a little quick preview of the Notre Dame-Clemson matchup, what we think uh, Patrick McCormick's been breaking down the Clemson defense and offense pretty extensively. But uh, uh, some of these uh, comments that I see here uh, – First of all, Bill Hackett, uh, also a member of that 1988 championship team. Big hugs to my favorite captain. Uh, big hugs. And, yeah, he definitely holds court. I had a wonderful, beyond blessed opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Ned and Bill at the uh, 88 reunion at Legends. And Ned was just telling all these great stories, uh, some of them probably not too appropriate for the podcast. Uh, but just really, I mean, literally one of my heroes from my childhood sitting there just telling stories about the team and some of those games and some of the other stories that aren't so well publicized about the Miami uh, incident in 1988, the West Virginia championship game and all that. I seriously do not remember any other player being taken off. I don't know if Ned's just trying to be, uh, you know, didn't want too much attention there, but I don't remember the other guys being taken off. I clearly remember Ned. Maybe it was just the pictures, the video at the time. I don't know, but I vividly remember Ned being taken off. But anyways, that's besides the point. Um, he mentioned uh, this team having some similarities. I want to mention a comment here from Brian Ginzer, who was at the Echoes last night. Brian said, uh, Indy 2018 sent a message last night. I was there. Last year, we were happy at the banquet. I felt the team and coaching staff were very much in business mode. They collectively will be ready to play. Um, you can tell that there's a, there's a little bit of an aura around this team right now that they're pissed. Uh, they're not happy with the fact that all these idiots on ESPN are, are saying that we have no chance, that Clemson's going to wash the floor with us, that you know Georgia, Ohio State, all these teams that should have been in, supposedly, um, are, are going to be proven right that they should have been in, and Notre Dame has no chance. I beg to differ in a big way, obviously. Um, you know, Clemson has a freshman quarterback. If we can get some heat on that kid, he's going to get rumbled. Uh, Syracuse gave it all to them, and we crushed Syracuse. You know what? 
hear a lot of people going back to the Pitt game, uh, the differences between their game and our game against Pitt. Um, but they don't want to talk about the difference between our game against Syracuse and theirs, which is a better team. So, you know, th there's a lot of factors at play here. Um, I'm really getting sick and tired of the hate. The hate. I guess we should expect nothing less because, as Drew Tranquil said, if you're not Notre Dame, you don't like Notre Dame, which is so true. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brian Brewer said, go Irish. My son, Andrew, and I will be at the Cotton Bowl. Awesome, Brian. For those of you guys going to the Cotton Bowl, God bless you. Bring us a win. When we win that game, uh, my family and I will be in Santa Clara for the national championship. I pray that it's against Bama because I think we can hang with Bama. I really do. Uh, Christy uh, Lowe, Matt Lowe, Madmore Creations. Uh, that was a good one, Madmore Creations. want to talk. I'm going to pull up Madmore's Facebook page here real quick. They have a special going on now, right, right now, guys. They're the ones that make these signs. I'm telling you, they are the most legit uh, signs out there. They're one of the only, I think they're the only company that's actually licensed by Play Like a Champion today to be able to uh, hand paint those things. And they just do a tremendous job. Um, right now it says, uh, I'm gonna read this little 30 second commercial for Madmore, so bear with me here. Uh, Give the gift of a Madmore Creations gift certificate. Uh, increments are created to accommodate each of the three sizes of the hand painted, officially licensed Play Like a Champion Today signs including shipping. Certificates can be re redeemed at madmorecreations.etsy.com. Uh, if my producer can add that in there, madmorecreations.etsy.com. Uh, check them out, grab a gift card. Um, and now, since we're talking about Madmore Creations and the great work that they do and all their support, we're gonna go ahead and announce the winner of the Drive to Five uh, Facebook challenge that we did to try to get folks, uh, some of our followers, to help us get to 5,000 uh, followers on our Dose Leprechauns page. Um, we didn't quite get there, but we're on our way. Um, the winner of that contest, we did a randomizer last night. Took forever, so I want to thank everybody that invited people to the page. We've seen a huge increase. Um, we had over, I think, 250 names, because if you put more than, if you invited more than one person, that counted as extra entries. So for however many people you invited, that's how many entries you got. I think we were at like 250, 255, something like that. Press the randomizer, and the first name was the winner. Sorry we didn't record it, it took way too long, but the winner is Corey Nagel of Long Beach, California. So. Corey, if you're watching or if you're listening later on our iTunes show, um, you can give me a, a sh shoot me a message and we will arrange the shipping for that. Uh, give us a few weeks on delivery because Madmore is backed up on a bunch of orders for the holiday season. So again, Corey Nagel um, is the winner of the Madmore Creations uh, Play Like a Champion Today sign for inviting folks to the Facebook page. Thank you once again, Corey, and everybody that participated. We're going to be doing another drawing, so uh, we'll announce that probably in the next couple days. Not for Madmore Creations, but something, something a little bit different. Uh, so check that out. Um, before I go any further, I do want to give another huge thank you to two people. One, our producer, Matt Corn McGinnis, for hooking this up and making us work here in the clutch. We were a little nervous for a minute, but we got it worked out. I uh, apologize for some of the sound issues. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but also, I want to thank uh, Brian Little. He's the host of the Your Favorite Blockhead podcast. Brian does a tremendous job. They talk about MMA, wrestling, sports, life. Uh, he's a Navy veteran, so thank you again for your service, Brian. Tremendous guy, good Christian person, good Christian family. And uh, Brian uh, is, has basically taken our podcast and he puts it on iTunes for us, which is not an easy thing to do, believe it or not. Uh, so Brian, thank you for that. So now you can find your, our podcast on iTunes, YouTube, and of course on Facebook Live. So uh, thank you very much, Brian. Uh, very, very, very cool of you to do and, and for your continued support. Also want to shout out, uh, uh, oh my gosh. The uh, East of the Den podcast, they do a great job covering high school football out there in Ohio, uh, but he also did a bold breakdown show yesterday. It was pretty awesome. Uh, we're also going to put a link in the comment section here below uh, for a um, college football confidence pool for the bowl games. 
So there's, I believe there's 42 bowl games. We're doing the top 35. It's a Dos Leprechauns Invitational. So if you're watching, you'll get a chance to get in that. It's a $25 buy-in. There's payouts for the top four. I uh, really encourage you to do it. It's a lot of fun. You pick the bowl game, and then you put the confidence on how many, if you think they're, if that's the game that you are the most sure about, and so on and so forth. So it's a good time. makes every college football bowl game. I love this time of season. makes all of them that much more um, exciting, basically. Um, okay, so what we're going to do now, we are going to bring on uh, one of our admin, one of our analysts for our um, Dos Leprechauns page. And, and again, I can't thank those guys enough. Uh, ben Wolters does our videos. Our uh, Clemson hype video has 25,000 views uh, on YouTube. So if you haven't seen that yet, very well done by Ben. He's also working on a couple more for the upcoming season. Wayne Smith's been doing a lot of the edits he's here for the individual players. Uh, Jason Pruitt, another one of our, he's our editor-in-chief. Matt Dunbar uh, also helps with the writing. Uh, Jason Lynch is our sheriff. He kind of keeps everybody in line on the page and also does a lot of research and reaching out. Uh, Patrick McCormick, who we'll have on here in a minute. Um, all these guys are just really uh, amazing, amazing guys and have been just so, uh, just so thankful for them and helping keep this page going. So what we're going to do now, though, is we're going to call uh, Patrick McCormick, who's one of our lead analysts, uh, to talk a little bit about the Clemson team and what we might expect from them. Uh, this is going to be a brief uh, conversation, and then we'll have a full uh, preview show on the 22nd, I believe it is, uh, which will be one week before the game. And we'll try to have a guest for you on that as well. So let's bring on Patrick here. Hey, Pat, how you doing, man? It's Jason, Bill Supercons. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, excellent, excellent. So we have Patrick McCormick on. Pat is uh, one of our lead writers for the Bill Supercons podcast. A lot of the great previews and post-game shows and breakdowns you see are thanks to him, Jason Pruitt, Matt Dunbar. Uh, who else contributes on those things? Uh, all of our guys that, that come together on those. But, Pat, one of the, we're going to talk briefly. I don't want to give away too much of this because, you know, we're going to have our preview podcast for the Clemson Cotton Bowl game uh, here in the next couple weeks. But, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the Clemson defense, first of all. You hear a lot about their defensive line and how they have a couple of uh, possible first, second round NFL prospects. What, what have you seen in your analysis thus far about Clemson? Yeah, the first thing that stands out, obviously, the defensive line. Um, Brian Kelly said they've got two or three Jerry Tilleries, uh, which is true. You know, you can't you try to double-team one. You know, they're just going to – another guy's going to burn you. So, yeah, their defensive line is really stout. Uh, so, Irish left is going to spread them out. Short passing game. Uh, you know, Book's going to have to distribute the ball. Like, he's, he's done a great job doing that. Um, maybe beat him deep a couple times like we did with Michigan. Uh, but, yeah, that's, so that they'll probably – they probably won't be able to just overpower the Clemson defensive line with the running game, so they'll have to kind of finesse it a little bit. But um, I like our chances. And then, um, in terms of the in terms of their offense, I, what I don't hear a lot about is their offensive line. How do they match up with our D line? Our D line obviously has been a strength this year. Excuse me. Um, you didn't see as much of the uh, the power, the the pressure in the backfield as much in the in the USC game as you did against maybe Syracuse or some of those other teams. Um, how is that? How is the Clemson O line going to match up against our D line? I, I would say it's a wash. They're very talented. Their 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 rushing game is just outrageous. You know they've got that Etienne and um, they've got some big time running backs. Um, but I like the our defensive line is, is elite as well. So I think that that's it's a wash. Um, I think our defense is I, I, what I like about the defense is um, Coney and Tranquil are such good tacklers. Gilman, you know. So I think our defense has all three levels of our defense. I think it's going to Yeah, and that Etienne kid is the real deal. That's a, that is a yeah, good football player right there. 
He's probably the best in the country, best running back in the country, I would say. I'm still partial to Dexter Williams, but I feel you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you, uh, go. Um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you too, Tracy Lawrence, uh, the much-touted uh, freshman quarterback, you know, I, it's funny, I saw him play in the Under Armour game, and I was just not all that impressed. Um, but clearly he's done some good things at Clemson, uh, at Clemson this season. But what do you see out of that kid? What, do, what makes him dangerous and what makes him – uh, what makes you give a give gives you a little hope that we'll be able to to rattle his cage a little? Well, it's Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, he's a five he's a five star you know prototype quarterback. You know, he's big time. Um, but the, what we like is he's a freshman, right? And he hasn't been he really hasn't been pushed. He took a knock in the Syracuse game um, and had to sit out. But uh, you know, Clemson has been so. You know, they're, they, they just roll, they just steamroll people. So they're a little bit like Alabama. I, I think some of it, a lot of it is the strength of you know, the ACC was down a little bit this year. So, um, But I, the way I see them a little bit like Alabama and Tua. They, they really haven't gotten punched in the nose yet. And so I, I, I can see this game kind of going a little bit like the Georgia game, but hopefully with a much better ending. But I think I think Notre Dame's D and, and offense, I think, you know, we match up with them well, and I think that I think when they get punched in the nose, we don't know how Trevor Lawrence is going to respond. I think they need to get some bodies on him, knock him around a little bit. Um, I think that I think that Dabo will try, you know, Dabo Sweeney will try to, um, you know, take the take the pressure off of him with the run game. So I think um, I, th- I think that'll be their their game plan. And what about the the Clemson receiving core? Do you have, are there any big time playmakers, or where, where do they where do yeah, they win? Yeah, so, but but our I think our secondary definitely is a strength. I think I think we've got, we've got a distinct advantage there for sure. Okay, good deal. All right, Pat. Well, again, we don't want to give away too much, so I just wanted to bring you on, give you a little taste of what's going to come for the Dos Leprechauns uh, Cotton Bowl preview, which will be happening probably around December twenty seventh, somewhere in that range, a couple days before the big game. Get everybody fired up. So uh, we'll let you go, man. I know you got to get to work. So you have yourself a great day, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, you too. Hey, real quick, I just want to thank you for bringing me on uh, and let me write for you. I've really enjoyed it, and I really respect what you your what you've done here with you and you and Nate, and just your positivity and, and you know and, you know how how much you respect Notre Dame's excellence. So it's been great to, to be able to write for you. Yeah, right, so the pleasure is all ours, man. We love having you on the team along with all the other guys. So uh, yeah, thank you, and then let's keep it going. Yeah, right on, Jason. I look forward to talking to you with the preview. All right, bud. See you soon. I right, see. You. Later. All right, so that was Pat McCormick again. You got to check out if you're not already a fan of our Dose Leprechauns page. Check it out. We are the only uh, fan-based site that does original content, uh, original edits without copywriting anything and getting ourselves in hot water with uh, Notre Dame licensing. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, so check us out and uh, let us know what you think. Um, if we can improve, let us know that too. We're you know we're an open book. We really can't say enough about the group of guys that we have working on this thing. Just really solid individuals. Uh, we all get along great. We have this text group going on on our phones that pretty much drains my battery on on the daily uh but it's a good time um so yeah let's see uh, justin knox says they're good at wide receiver but not as good as usc yeah i agree i was looking at i was i watched the sc game again and uh, as much as i absolutely can't stand this kid Amron st brown is going to be a hell of a football player he's gonna he's gonna do some good things for sc especially now with kyle kingsbury coming in from texas tech that's uh <laughs> sc is going to be a big time challenge for the irish next year in south bend so uh, you know, and, and it's, I don't want to look too far ahead, but next year's schedule, not easy, man. We start, you know, we play Louisville to start, you know, it should be, should be a, a pretty easy win for us. Uh, but, uh, we go to Michigan, we go to Georgia, we're at home against a, which will be a much improved SC team. So, uh, next year's going to be a tough challenge, but uh, we got a lot of talent coming back. Um, we're going to be talking about 
Battery Killing Leprechauns. That's right. That's what we should rename it. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about next season right after our final game on January 7th in the National Championship. We'll be breaking things down pretty quickly right afterwards. Um, we're also going to be trying to get on um, a lot of the players on this year's team once they graduate because NCAA rules make sure that we can't do that during the season, which is totally understandable. Um, but yeah, I look forward to that. So we're going to sign off here in a minute. I know everybody's got a lot going on, getting close to the holidays, getting close to Christmas. Um, I actually have to go into work here for a few minutes. So uh, wishing everybody a great day. Uh, please share this podcast. Invite people to like the page. Like I said, we're going to be doing another contest for inviting people to like the page or uh, follow the page. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Big Nate will be good soon. He's just got a little cold, but just wanted to let him sleep in a little bit. So get better, Big Nate. Uh, I want to thank Matt again for producing the show, getting us ready to roll. And with that, we're going to sign off and say Merry Christmas. We probably won't see you before then. We're going to be shutting down a little bit for the holiday season, but then we'll be getting fired up and ready to go uh, right before the Clemson game in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, another big thank you to Ned Bolkar for coming on, and uh, just that was amazing. Got to definitely thank him. So uh, everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Go Irish. Be Clemson. Dose, leprechauns be the place, uh, the podcast for inspiration and taste, with people all around from different sizes and shapes, shape. different cultures and backgrounds in the race, we got Jason and Nate, hosts in the house, built to create, be in the lighthouse, to keep it to the gate, got the Notre Dame back in education, led the way, from the bus about to drive it home, to rock a man with a plan that was so grand, built to fly it out the dome, Zorro without the mask, but still cuts down, every man met the legend through the whole Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%, APR 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 0.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. This is the sound of at Koala Mama 85 asking DQ to bring back the Snickers Blizzard. And this is the sound of us making the Snickers Blizzard. And the all-new peanut butter pie blizzard made with Snickers. And this is the sound of 5,157 happy Snickers Blizzard lovers saying OMG smile emoji praise hands thank you exclamation point praise hands praise hands. That's what a Snickers Blizzard sounds like. And it's back with the all-new peanut butter pie blizzard made with Snickers. DQ. Happy tastes good.